I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show on Twitter, on our Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. And you can also follow my personal Twitter page where I tweet mainly about Preston North End, which is at underscore James Vickers. I'm Simeon. I'm the editor of the Tahoe End, a Reading blog. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bucks Royal and you can find my website on Twitter at the Tahoe End. Uh, we write a lot about Reading uh, news. Uh, analysis and we have a podcast as well. Hi everyone, my name is uh, Thomas Bach and I'm the editor of wallsblog.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at wallsblog or on facebook.com forward slash wallsblog. And yeah, just everything Wolverhampton wonders. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, we'll start with sort of covering the, the rest of the games in the, the league over the weekend. Um, we started with Millwall and Cardiff on Friday night, which finished one all. Um, the sole game on the Friday night, and then we moved into sort of the main bulk of the uh, the league action on the Saturday. So, sort of to give us a quick run through, we had uh, Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday sharing a one-all draw, which I think that's about five draws on the bounce now for Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Sheffield United beat Leeds 2-1. Bolton and Fulham shared a one-all draw, same with Brentford and Preston. Um, Sunderland, uh, don't know how they did it, still don't know, came back from 3-0 down to draw 3-0 with Bristol City. Um, another one all, Derby County and Norwich City. Um, another draw in the Ipswich and Burton game, this time goalless. Middlesbrough beat Reading 2-1. Forest got beat 2-0 at home by Hull City. Uh, and Wolverhampton Wanderers beat QPR 2-1. Uh, and then it was the, the Aston Villa-Birmingham derby then on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, which Aston Villa came out 2-0 winners. Um, I just wanted to ask you to, obviously, uh, quite a lot of draws in the championship this weekend, but if either of you were to pick out sort of a couple of games that sort of really stood out to you for sort of good reasons, bad reasons, or maybe a surprise result in there, which would you sort of go for? Um, I think if I was picking one, obviously the Bristol City, Sunderland one, just because of how that one played out, Remarkable result, really. Um, Bristol City has just been so strong at Ashton Gate. I mean, they're having a wobble lately, but 3-0 up, you just clock that one up as done and dusted, don't you? So for Sunderland to come back and get a point, I mean, that could be a massive point for them come the end of the season. Uh, they might look back on that as the game that kept them up, you know. So incredible game, really. I, I did catch the highlights of that one, and, um, you know, they, they did very well to, to dig themselves out not concede anymore. They rode their luck. They got a couple of decisions they probably shouldn't have got and an own goal. But, you know, they probably feel that that's the luck that they've been um, overdue, really. So, you know, hats off to them for getting that result. Um, and yeah, I think the other big winners from the weekend on the promotion front were probably uh, Aston Villa, you know, beating Blues in a derby. See, I think that's seven wins in a row for them now. And um, everyone else was dropping points, weren't they? Derby dropped points. Cardiff couldn't beat Millwall. So I think the big winners, obviously Wolves at the top as well, but but Aston Villa definitely moving up to second place and 
cashing in on the drop points of their their rivals. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. Um, the Bristol City Sunderland game was really interesting, not just because of the re- result, but I think it just has a completely different um, psychological effect for both teams going into the next couple of weeks. Bristol City throwing away a lead, they're going to be low on confidence for their next game. Sunderland are going to be on going to be on a lot of confidence going into their next game, having been able to get a really good result out of that one. So it's perhaps not about what happened in that game, but the impact that it's going to have in the next couple of weeks at either end of the table. And it could be a really important psychological impact for both teams. Um, to mention another one, Hull City's uh, win at Nottingham Forest, really big win for them. I think it's their only win in the last five, so it's a really big three points in the relegation race and a really bad result for me as a Reading fan who have seen a relegation rival get a big win, which we weren't able to do. Yeah, completely agree with the two of you there with regards to the uh, the Sunderland result. Um, obviously, that'll be the one that stands out just for the nature of it. You know, coming back from 3-0 down against a team challenging for promotion, you know, not many would have expected that at halftime. And sort of to see videos of quite a lot of Sunderland fans leaving at halftime, uh, I bet they were wishing they'd stayed now till the end because it was... Uh, Sort of looked like it was quite good sort of scenes at the end when they did equalise. Um, one game that I wanted to pick out and their only win regard- away from the league was against us in the FA Cup, which was quite disappointing for us, is uh, Sheffield United. Um, beat Leeds 2-1 uh, in a Yorkshire derby. It's their first win in the league in over a month. So, you know, for a team that was sort of back in sort of October, November time, we were talking about them as possible sort of automatic promotion candidates to sort of stop the rot, as it were, and, and get back to winning ways against a good lead side who sort of over the last couple of weeks have fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, that was vital for them. Um, sort of for Preston, it takes them back on level points with us now, which, you know, is a bit sort of disappointing from our point of view. Um, but I think as well to sort of touch on our game, we had quite a good draw away at Brentford, um, a place where over the last sort of five or six years, we seem to get battered every time. Um, so, you know, good point. I wouldn't have predicted that going into the game. I probably would have said we would have got beat. Um, so that's a good point for us. I think the the other one sort of to touch on, Bolton over the last couple of weeks, you know, they beat Bristol City last week. And then to get a point against Fulham, who, you know, have been scoring goals for fun and have been flying up the table is uh, going to be crucial for them come the end of the season. And that relegation fight now is really sort of hotting up with sort of exception of Burton and, and Sunderland, who, even though they did get the good draw, are sort of slowly sort of losing touch with the rest of the, the pulling away pack in the sort of the relegation fight. Sort of up to, you'd say, sort of Norwich and QPR, uh, sorry, Norwich, Nottingham, Forest in 16th and QPR in 15th. You know, no one's really safe sort of downwards of that. So I think over the next sort of five or six games, we're really going to see that bottom half of the table sort of chop and change. And it's going to be sort of interesting going into then the last sort of 10 games or so, who is sort of pulling away and who's really been sort of dragged down into it. Um, But sort of to stay on the relegation zone, I wanted to touch on obviously the Sunderland game in a bit more detail. What sort of impressed me about it was, you know, a team in the relegation zone, 3-0 down away from home. They could have just let their heads drop, uh, you know, lose 4 or 5 nil, and then, you know, try to go on again next week. But sort of turn it around in the manner that they did. Do you see that as sort of them turning a corner now and they can sort of start to put a little bit of a run together and and slowly claw themselves out of the the relegation fight? 
Um, I suppose what you always look for in scientific terms is what fixtures they've now got coming up <laughs> because obviously if they've got difficult fixtures then it doesn't matter how psychologically strong that's going to make them they might they might struggle but they've got they've got Brentford at home and Bolton away oh no Brentford at home Bolton away yeah and I mean that's not a bad I don't think it's a bad time to be playing Brentford I don't want to discredit what Preston <laughs> did down there um, but I think they lost vibe is it the striker went off and he's been a real focal point for them so I think getting Brentford at home I don't think that's a, that's a bad game of Bolton away so coming into those two games now where, where they'd probably be looking to maybe get four point return if they can or at least one win out of those two I think it's um, good timing so I think they, they might be able to use that that boost they got but they just you know that that good result is you know in isolation is, is fantastic but they, they're such a big you know sense of hostility and, and a downward trend in that club. You just wonder if that one if that one result is really enough to start turning the ship around. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the two games coming up are going to be just as important as getting that point against Bristol City, really. Um, but looking at it in a wild, wider context, considering that Coleman came in a couple of months now, um, he's been there for a couple of months, you would have thought that if Sunderland were going to have a big revival, it might have happened a bit earlier. Um, getting in that new manager, that new set of ideas, and hopefully a bit more confidence. But it hasn't really happened for them. Um, if anything, they, they've they well, they're, they're about there really. They didn't do a massive amount of business in the transfer market either. I thought they would have. Yeah. They would have done more, but I mean, the the lad they got, I think, is it from Liverpool, Ajaria, the winger. He looks a really good player. I think is it him? Is it Jaria or Sora? I don't. I don't know who it is. They've got a lad, a winger. Um, yeah, it's a Jaria. Yeah. Yeah, and he set up the goal on um, the one of the goals. You know, on on, on against Bristol City, and he looked, he looked really lively. And they bought Luar Luar from Brighton, I think. And those are two players who can really take the game to the opposition. And I think that's maybe that's what they've been a bit lacking. Sunderland. I think they've been a bit too passive too long so I just you look at them I don't think you can put them in the same camp as Burton because I think the problem Burton have got is I just don't see how they can hurt teams I think they're really vulnerable at the back and they just there's nothing to fear the other direction whereas I think Sunderland have got potentially they've got the lad Fletcher on loan from Middlesbrough as well he's got a bit about him even though he struggled with Middlesbrough and you know they've got some they've got some decent wide players in now so I just wonder whether they might have enough and you look at teams like Barnsley, who've just lost their manager, obviously, Burton, then you think, well, it only takes one of the other teams to get sucked in, whether that's Bolton, who have a negative downturn, or Birmingham or Hall. You know, it doesn't take a lot. So I, I don't think that, I don't necessarily agree with the fact that they're, they should probably be in the same class as Burton. Um, I think there's probably a bit more hope for them. Yeah, definitely. I agree with sort of most of the points you said there. And I sort of agree with you, Simeon, where you said that obviously Coleman has been in a few months now. And if if they were going to sort of turn a corner um, and sort of claw their way out, I think that would have happened already. So I think definitely the next two games are absolutely uh, pivotal in sort of what they're going to do for the rest of the season. And that game against Bolton, I think, is probably sort of looking at the table, the first real sort of six-pointer that you're going to see sort of between now and the end of the season. Um I think their second or third to last game as well, they play Burton, which, you know, again, is going to be a massive game for them. But at this stage of the season, with the sort of the place they are in the league, I think every game is going to be massive. So I think if they can come through these next two games and, you know, possibly pick up sort of 
four, maybe three or four points, I think that'll be great for them. Um, but, you know, if they come out of these next two games sort of with two defeats and that sort of pushes Bolton a bit further away from the relegation zone, they're going to be in, you know, serious trouble. Um, one team who has sort of not really picked it up in recent weeks, but there's been signs there and they've been playing a lot better uh, and, you know, finally got a good win on the road uh, on Saturday is Hull City. Obviously, Ad- Adkins has come in, um, you know, try to steady the ship, really. How do you sort of see their fortunes playing out between now and the end of the season? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Hull, I don't... It's a difficult one, really, with them. I mean, I don't know a lot about them. They've got... Per, again, if you look at the personnel they've got in that squad, you probably fancy them in comparison to some of the other teams around them. Uh, they signed Nua Dicko from Wolves, player obviously I know quite well. I thought he might do all right for them. He's got a couple of goals. Um, they've, they've, they've got people in that squad who, other than him as well, who can, who can, you know, do a bit of something. So I think with them, it's been a case of just get galvanizing them a bit and, and getting them going. I always felt with them, if, if you can get the, if you can get a bit of spirit going between the players, they've probably got the quality, uh, to stay up. So I, I would, I would actually expect them to stay up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect them to be. Um, down at the bottom come the end of the season, but obviously they've got to get the points on the board, haven't they? So um, you know, but but yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be optimistic if I was a Hall fan of staying up at the very least. Yeah, I certainly think they've got the tools to stay up. It's very tight at the moment, only a one point gap against Barnsley. But you look at someone like Jared Bowen, who's been scoring quite well this season, and what it could come down to in the end is just having someone who can stick the ball in the net when it comes down to those tight kg. Um, draws going in late to in late in the game uh, at the end of the season. If they need to get the get the ball in the net and just get that that extra win, um, that could be the difference. Having someone like Jared Bowen is is vitally important. It's lucky for them that they do have that kind of striker. Um, looking at them against say Barnsley, Sunderland, Burton, I just think they've got that extra that extra bit of quality. It's not a, a huge gap, but just those those little differences might be the end, might be the the benefit in the end. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I think definitely having Adkins uh, coming in, you know, a manager who knows the division well is going to help them sort of no end. And, you know, they seem to have got, even though it's early days for him, you know, they got um, Will Keenan now from United, but then uh, is it Harry Wilson from Liverpool who who scored at the weekend for the money's first start for them. So, you know, they look to have 
sort of people who can find the net now, um, Jared Bowen, like you mentioned. So I think definitely if if they can sort of keep players fit, um, I think they will have sort of just enough to to stay clear of the relegation zone and you know sort of possibly finish lower half the mid table, depending on how results go for them between now and the end of the season. Um, and sort of looking at their midfield as well, you know they've got sort of bags of championship experience, players like John Torrell, uh, Sebastian Larson. Um, uh, Ina from who used to play for Newcastle. So you know, there's there's experience there mixed with sort of youth and, and players who can find the net now. So I think over the next few weeks, I'd I'd expect them sort of to to start to climb the table and sort of pull their way to safety. Um, the next thing I wanted to sort of ask you two about, um, obviously we touched on it a little bit earlier when we were saying about Barnsley sort of getting dragged towards the relegation zone at the moment. Um, and I know. Rob, who comes on the podcast, did sort of a little special for us last week um, regarding, obviously, Heckingbottom going to Leeds. I just wanted to, to, first of all, get your thoughts on the fact that four days prior to, obviously, him going to Leeds, he signed a new contract at Barnsley and, and came out and, you know, he said he's he's been a supporter of the club and, you know, was saying all the right things, really, for, for signing a new contract and it looked like he was going to stay. Um what was your sort of initial reactions to obviously him signing the new contract and then leaving four days prior? And do you see it as a good appointment for Leeds going forward? Lord, well, I don't. I, I suppose it is surprising. I didn't realise he'd signed a deal until I read about it after he joined Leeds. Um, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? Really, I suppose I'm, I'm not really connected to either of those clubs in any meaningful way. You're asking me, is Leeds a step up from Barnsley? I don't think anyone can deny the fact that Leeds were a much bigger club than Barnsley. So if the opportunity is there to take a step up, you know, it's, it's a logic, that is a logical progression. That is a step up, in my opinion. Um, if you're then asking me about loyalty in football, then I don't think loyalty exists in football, really. <laughs> um, I suppose the odd thing, perhaps, is that Barnsley have recently been taken over and... From the personnel involved with that takeover, I would have expected that they would probably start to show a bit more ambition. So it might have been quite an exciting project, but obviously he didn't think that. Or maybe even he thought that the axe might drop on him because new owners sometimes want their own man, even though they've given him this new contract. So, so I don't know. We don't. Only he can know the motivations for moving. But um, as to whether he will be a good appointment for them, that's very difficult to say because if you look at all the managers, Leeds have gone through in the past what year, two years, over a longer period, real high championship pedigree managers, and they either haven't given them the time or they've they've struggled for whatever reason. It's just impossible. I think I'll be, to be honest, I probably will be successful. I will be surprised if he's successful, but only because I'm surprised if any Leeds manager is successful because I just don't think they've got the infrastructure as a club. Um, to in place to, to to be successful at the moment, um, you know Gary Monk obviously decided it was a it was you know he wanted to jump ship after one good season, uh, and you know I have to question why he why he did that. He obviously didn't feel he was going to get the same opportunity there as he was at Middlesbrough. So there's obviously something at that club that makes it quite difficult for managers to succeed. So um, so yeah, I, I'll probably be quite surprised if they end up anywhere near the top six this season anyway. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Leeds just aren't a stable club at the moment with the, regards to the manager. Um, Monk did pretty well with them. Um, overachieved last season, I think. Um, decent squad, but he certainly managed to get a lot out of them. And 
perhaps unlucky not to get in the playoffs last year. Christensen looked like he was building something this year. Yeah, they kind of dropped off in the last couple of months, but he was developing a style of football. He brought in some good players and gave him a few more months or another 18 months or something like that. And I don't doubt that he could have had them consistently competing at the top of the table. But it's one of these silly decisions to keep on chopping and changing. And it looks like Heckingbottom will end up being a victim of that as well. If you compare Heckingbottom to Christensen, is he really a huge amount better than him? Have they made an upgrade? Have they really brought in a manager who they are definitely going to keep for a couple of years? I'm not too sure. Um, from Heckingbottom's point of view, it's just pure opportunism, I think. Um, Barnsley are likely to go down whether he stays or not, regardless of the investment coming from the from the new owners. So he's he's taking his chance. I don't really blame him, but it's it's sad for Barnsley who have lost someone who have professed his loyalty so much in the last couple of years. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And sort of to, to go on to your point, Simeon, you know, about chopping and changing the managers, I, I thought Christiansen was doing sort of a, a relatively good job there. He'd started to put his stamp on the on the side. And obviously, every season, sort of you're very rarely going to go for a season without sort of a bad patch. And I thought it was going to be sort of interesting the next couple of weeks to see how he came out of that patch and, you know, sort of learn about him more as a manager. And, you know, I was sort of shocked really to see that they had decided to get rid of him when they did you know they're not a million miles away off the playoffs or they weren't sort of at the time when when they got rid of him I think they were three or four points off which you know sort of any manager in the division really would be sort of happy with that at this stage of the season um so I think it was you know ridiculous decision to get rid of him um and I think the thing with Heckingbottom is obviously you know he's gone to sort of Leeds are a bigger club or not necessarily a bigger club in terms of league placement but a bigger name and sort of globally seen as a bigger club than Barnsley um, regardless of Barnsley being taken over or not recently um, so I think he's gone there you know he's taken a chance to go there um, sort of like you said Tom and what is surprising for me looking at uh, sort of the stats and, and having a chat to Rob on Twitter who is a Barnsley fan that you know he's had one win in his last 17 matches and 11 of those have been defeats so to go into a club where you're expected to win every week when necessarily sort of you're not performing to the best of your ability, which, you know, seems weird to say for a manager, but, you know, it can't be sort of coincidence that Barnsley have slipped down the table and, uh, you know, uh, sort of having a bad season at the moment. Um, so it's going to be interesting, especially given the fact that Leeds like to chop and change their managers, whether he does get the time and, you know, if if he can turn their fortunes around and, and get back into the playoffs, because, you know, they're not a million miles away. If they were sort of down in the position that Barnsley are in, you know, I would have said, fair enough, Christiansen probably deserved to go. But the fact that, you know, he's still sort of building, uh, it probably takes a good sort of three or four transfer windows to properly put your stamp on a team. And, you know, uh, I'd probably say Leeds managers over the last sort of five or six years have probably had one, maybe two transfer windows at max, which, you know you get a new manager coming in who's constantly working with the the old or previous managers players it's it's never going to end well without giving a sort of a manager a sustained period to build so it's definitely going to be one to watch and see if they do give him time now and you know hopefully for Leeds sake they've learned their lessons from chopping and changing and they can sort of get a settled 
sort of squad on and off the field now um, and, you know, try and get back to where sort of most people believe they sort of should be, which is, you know, playing Premier League football. Uh, they're probably one of the biggest clubs outside the Premier League at the moment uh, in terms of fan base and, and stadium and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm I'm not sure whether they'll give him the time. I'd like them to because uh, I hate seeing sort of any manager lose their job, especially sort of as early into their tenureship as, as Christiansen did. But, you know, we've come to expect that with Leeds. So it's definitely going to be um, an interesting one to see how much time he is given and if he is given the opportunity to properly put his stamp on the team. Um, but the next thing I wanted to sort of move on to, um, and it's sort of a good topic to come back to sort of every now and then because sort of the governing bodies say that they're going to sort of step in and change it and they never really do. And that's ticket pricing. Um there's been sort of, especially sort of on, on Preston's Twitter this week, a big sort of uproar about uh, obviously our gentry day that we do once a season, which for those of you who don't know, it's basically um, we wear suits and bowl hats and it's an opportunity to remember Preston fans who've passed away in the previous year or sort of over the last couple of years. So it's a great day out for sort of Preston fans and it's always around March time. So there's always a lot of sort of excitement about sort of the day. Um, Bolton, and quite a lot of fans were getting this confused at the start of the season. They've set their ticket prices, which for our game, it's classed as a category A game. It's sort of a Lancashire Derby. So they were charging our fans 35 pound for an adult ticket, which, you know, in the championship is far too much considering when they came to our place in October, we charged them 24 quid for an adult ticket. Um, so, you know, 11 pound difference for exactly the same game of football, you know, is, is a ludicrous sort of jump. Um, I wanted to get sort of your thoughts on first of all, pricing in the league. Do you think it's fair? Um, and secondly, if you were sort of to introduce a cap, for example, what would you cap it at? Or how would you go about sort of pricing games to, to obviously, you know, you can't go charging five pound for adults. The clubs need to make the money sort of somewhere. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's got to be fair. What would you sort of do to, you know, first of all, make it fair and affordable for everyone. And secondly, you know, to make sure that the clubs are still making money off it. Yes, that's a, it's a pretty wide ranging question, really. And it's on a club to club basis. Um, quite an interesting one at uh, Wolves lately, because for the past however many years, I don't know, probably the last seven or eight years, they've done this thing called the early bird offer, whereby if you renew your season ticket by the end of March, they'll guarantee that you'll pay the same price as you paid the previous year. And obviously this year, we're, you know, what, 12, 13 points clear of uh, third place. as so it looks like it'll be in the Premier League. And lo and behold, the early bird offer hasn't been forthcoming um, because they probably know they're going to be able to charge the Premier League prices next season. So, it's, I mean, it's that kind of thing that makes you lose a bit of faith in the club. It's like the first year where we're actually doing a bit of something in a long time and they're sort of, already strategizing about how they can maximize their ticket revenues. Um, but I mean, I suppose there's, there's a, there's a cap on what, what you pay for a, for a ticket, which is different for everyone. And you, you kind of talk, you get to what's, what's the, what can the average man on the street afford to pay and what should they pay? To me, 35 pounds for an individual ticket is probably right at the ceiling of what I'd be willing to pay. I don't really want to be paying more than that for a for a ticket, but, you know, especially in a Muck and Nettles championship game, um, I, I'm not sure, but I, as to what you 
what you do to control ticket prices, that that's very different. That's very difficult, isn't it? I suppose a a cap for the championship at a certain amount, maybe thirty quid. I don't know because, like I say, I think thirty five quid's quite quite steep. But then you've got clubs of different sizes, and you've got clubs in very different parts of the country where you know London based clubs can probably say they can charge more because that's the going rate for you know, for, for things in their area, I, I don't know. But but also, if you just compare it to other forms of entertainment, would you pay 30 quid, 35 quid to go to a concert? Yeah, you probably would. Even pretty average bands charge charge that much. So if it's like for like, you go, well, is that fair? I mean, I don't, I don't know, really. I'm probably not a good person to ask this question because, to be completely honest, I don't have a strong opinion on it. Um, so it, it's a difficult one for me to answer. For me, I guess anything above £30 is, realistically, it's too high for championship football. Um, you compare it to the Premier League prices, which I think are caps at about £30. Being fair, you shouldn't really be charging more than that for championship football. And it's a lot of money for anyone to pay for any game. I had to pay, I think, about £30 for my Middlesbrough ticket on Saturday. And getting up from Buckinghamshire all the way up to North Yorkshire is, is, not, is nothing cheap. Um, but if you look at certain clubs and their financial situations, they can't really afford to be giving out cheap tickets regularly. You look at someone like QPR and Leeds, who, well, Leeds in particular, haven't really been out of the championship too much. Um, they have to charge a lot of money. Uh, QPR as well, who um, aren't financially as wealthy as, say, Aston Villa or other teams in the at the top of the division. So they have to... Um, charge a lot of money for their tickets otherwise they take a financial hit um, so you have to kind of balance up the the practicalities of it in a way that you don't have to do in the Premier League because you go to say Man United they can afford to let everyone in for free to be honest because they're that rich but then you go to the bottom of the championship where some teams are charging 30 35 pounds for a ticket and they're not necessarily um putting it a bit harshly, not necessarily the best teams in the division, but they have to do that. They can't afford to to cut prices. So if you are to introduce a cap, you've got to think about practically how a team's able to afford to do it. Yeah, I completely agree with you two. Obviously, you know, it's easy to say championship football should be capped at £20, £25, and, you know people sort of nod their heads at that because it's cheap or cheaper than sort of it is at the moment. Um, but as you said, Simeon, um, you know, there's teams like Burton, for example, you know, smaller stadium. They don't have the, the, the riches of like an Aston Villa or a Leeds United sort of their main sort of source of income um, is sort of ticket sales. And, you know, they get the bits from sort of TV rights as well. But Without those ticket sales, you know, the the sort of isn't the success story that, that is Burton at the moment. Um, so I think obviously it's a difficult one. You can't really sort of, as much as I'd like them to introduce a cap, because obviously each club has a different sort of requirement of what they need to charge and, you know, different factors for needing to charge that Um sort of supporting Preston you know we're not one of the richest teams in the division I'd probably say we're sort of in the sort of the bottom quarter of uh, sort of teams sort of money wise um, which you know is testament to how well we've done this season but you know sort of 24 quid for a home game you know I think is fair for, for sort of our price and I think that's where the real sort of 
issue has come for for many Preston fans with regards to the Bolton ticket. The fact that you know we charge them twenty four pounds and they more or less sell out the away end, and then you know you, a few months later for exactly the same game of football, both teams are in more or less the similar positions that they were, yet you get charged £11 and sort of couple that with the fact that between Bolton and Preston that weekend, uh, when we do play them, there's rail replacement buses. I think it's um, sort of added up to, to not many fans sort of wanting to, to bother, which, you know, is quite a shame with it being sort of one of the sort of the main days for the club sort of on our calendar, um, sort of a real sort of community day. Um and it, it looks to be sort of overshadowed a bit this year with, you know, people arguing about ticket prices and that kind of thing. But, you know, as we've said, it's very hard unless you sort of sit down with every club and, you know, sort of go on sort of the general consensus about sort of what would be best for each club. It's, it's very hard to introduce sort of like a, a flat sort of cap across the division. But, you know, I think something does need to be done at some point, you know, sort of, as we've said, 35, 40 quid for a championship ticket is is far too much. And, you know, people and clubs are encouraging people to get through the uh, the turnstiles and not just watch the game on TV. But, you know, you can't expect sort of a family of, say, four or five to come sort of week in, week out to home games who maybe can't afford a season ticket um, and get them to pay sort of that amount of money sort of each week. Um, But sort of moving on to sort of like, uh, not not a sort of serious topic, but sort of to go on or to carry on from. Obviously, we were talking about sort of away day ticket prices and and that kind of thing. I know you went up to uh, to Middlesbrough this weekend, Simeon, and we were sort of talking sort of off air about sort of favourite away days and you know experiences that we've had on away days. Um, just wanted to get your sort of uh, opinions, really, sort of in the division at the moment as it is. Do you have sort of an away day where the fixtures are announced at the start of the season that you think you know? That is the away day that I'm looking forward to. Um, so for whatever reason, you know, you might have friends there or you just enjoy going. Um, I just wanted to get your opinions on it, really, because there's a few in the league that I always look forward to and really enjoy. But it'd be interesting to see sort of fans of different teams, if you sort of have the same feelings on different grounds. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I always look out for the derbies, um, the derby games. And obviously that for Wolves, that's, that's Aston Villa and Birmingham. Or West Brom, um, you know, one of those games. I, I obviously always enjoy going to those because I'm lazy and I don't want to travel the <laughs> massive distances up and down the country. You know, you can get in on the train. Uh, it's always in a cracking atmosphere. But I suppose outside of that, I'm uh, looking down the grounds now, the ones I've been to and the worst, best and worst experiences I've had of them all. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, I quite enjoyed Derby. I went there this season. We, we obviously won the game. I think obviously your experience is quite often shaped by the result, isn't it? If we're being honest, um, no one likes traveling miles and getting stuffed and then <laughs> however nice the ground and the point is beforehand, it's, uh, does color your experience a bit. But, uh, Pride Park's a great stadium. Um, really caters for fans superbly. I think you've got lots of stuff at the ground to be looking at and doing. Um, yeah, really good one. One of the worst ones for me is always, it sticks in my mind, is Norwich. I just remember, because from where I am geographically, it's a bit of a trek. You're talking three and a half, four hour travel maybe. And I just remember a terrible 2-0 defeat where they utterly dominated us the whole game. <laughs> and then, you know, slunk, slinking out after and contemplating that drive home under miserable circumstances. But, uh, you know, that's not a slight on them as a, as a club or their stadium, but that was a particularly bad day. Slightly different circumstances as a 
as a Reading fan because we don't really have those local derbies in the same way. Uh, Swindon and Oxford have yet to catch up with us in the last couple of years, so you might be going down that. towards them though soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we might have uh, Swindon away, might have the Kassam at Oxford to look forward to next season probably. Yeah, um, that's something to look forward to in the worst case scenario <laughs> at least. But um, apart from that, we kind of have to look to the to the West London stadiums to be honest as our as our local games, Fulham, Brentford, QPR. Not really derbies, but they're not too far down the road. So we usually take a, a, a good uh, a good travelling contingent to those, which is unlike uh, Reading fans, to be honest with you. So those are always ones that we look out for. Personally, the stadiums I like. Um, Villa Park, great one, really big, old. Um, lots of character to that stadium. So I look forward to going to that one. And Pride Park as well, um, really nice stadium, as Thomas said. So, um, all those really. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Villa. We're, uh, I've been sort of earlier today planning we're going next Tuesday. We've got the midweek, so I'm uh, looking forward to doing that. Didn't uh, make the trip down there last year because I was working, which was uh, sort of a bit annoying. So, definitely looking forward to that next Tuesday. Um, Brentford, which I had to miss for work this weekend, which I was absolutely gutted about, is probably in the division. Probably my favourite one that I always look forward to, you know, um, sort of pub on every corner of the ground. It's sort of a great sort of what I sort of see is if when you sort of think of English lower league football is one of the stadiums that stands out to me, you know, a lot of character and history on it. Um, and it's sad that they're going to be sort of moving to a new stadium from, I believe it's next season. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how the experience of the away day compares sort of next season after going sort of to Brentford for the sort of the last few years, which, you know, it's a bit weird to say sort of after you mentioned Thomas about the results, um, sort of shaping your experiences, Last season, we got beat, I think it was 5-1 there. The season before, 3-1, you know, we, we seemed to, to get absolutely battered there. But yeah, I go and uh, sort of travel sort of more or less the length of the country to, to watch us do that. Um, one of the ones that, you know, is hasn't been sort of good the last few years, similarly to you saying about Norwich, um, I've been Ipswich the last few years, which... So from where we live, it's about sort of a three and a half, four hour drive. And we went down in October. Um, I think we had 11 first teamers out injured at the time and, and got beat 2-0, you know, didn't really offer anything in the game. And, you know, to get down there, we actually went down on the Friday and stayed overnight to go to the game and sort of putting that performance was a bit disappointing. And, you know, one of the away days that I probably won't be doing again next season. Um, but sort of away from sort of it switched that kind of sort of area, you know, the local ones this season, uh, Bolton, um, for example, you know, over the last few years, we've been sort of quite lucky really having teams like Burnley, Blackburn, Wigan, uh, Blackpool sort of in and around us in the division, but just sort of Bolton this year, which makes you sort of travel to other different parts of the country and sort of see new grounds which is good but you know living in Manchester supporting Preston it's always good to have sort of the nice close ones um, so they'd be sort of the ones that I look forward to and then you know obviously your Fulhams and and those kind of ones especially now that I've discovered at Fulham away there's uh, a boat that goes down the Thames almost like yeah. a booze cruise um, before the game which we did this year so it was uh, on the Sunday recording the podcast it was uh, probably the worst one I've done this year with uh, a banging headache and sweaty palms <laughs> <laughs> through the, the whole recording. What was, um, the, what, was the sort of, what was the result? 
we were two 0 up at half time, and we ended up conceding in the ninety fourth minute to draw oh, two all. Oh, our key, our keeper came out to catch a cross and dropped it, and they uh, they scored a tap in literally last kick of the game. I think the final whistle actually went while they were celebrating, which you know the, quite often is the way with Preston. Not so much this season because we're having a good season. The the football's normally the worst part of the away day, which you know sort of has said it all sort of over the last few years with us. But you know this season, thankfully, it's been a little bit better. Um, so there's been some quite good away games this season. Um, but sort of just to finish off, obviously, um, we've all got games next weekend apart from Reading, who I think, I believe your next game, Simeon, is Tuesday, if, um, away at Nottingham Forest. How do you sort of see that game going and what would be sort of a, a score prediction going into that game from you? It's an interesting one, really. Um, having those 10 games, those 10 days off could either work for us or work against us. Um, we can certainly use the rest, certainly use a, a recharge and a rethink. Because the last two games have been pretty dire. Um, Millwall and Middlesbrough home and away, respectively. We haven't really looked like getting into either of those games. Um, so, tactically, we need to rethink, we need to recharge. And the players have gone out to Spain for a couple of days for an apparently intensive training course to hopefully um, to reset how we want to approach matches. So, with that in mind, I have no idea what team is going to turn up at Forest. Uh, it could be a a completely rejuvenated side. It could be um, one that's exactly the same as what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, pushed for a for a prediction, I I can see us getting a, a score draw, getting a point out of that one. Hopefully, something that we can build on going into the next couple of weeks. What What do you think? What's going on at Reading then? Why Why were you so good last season, and and why has it gone down the toilet this time for Stam? Has it Has there been a Mass turnover of players, or I'm just looking down there, just thinking, how can it have gone so drastically wrong for you? It's weird, really, because you look at last season, we weren't statistically a particularly good side. We weren't scoring a lot of goals. We weren't um, keeping a lot of clean sheets and defending well each week. Um, we were just effective at getting a win um, quite regularly. We got a lot of kind of like two ones and one nils. Nothing particularly convincing or impressive we only scored four goals in the game once um all season um but this season we're on the opposite end of it we're i think we've only conceded three goals in the game once so we're not getting battered we're not getting played off the park we're just consistently poor we're consistently low on confidence the playing style doesn't fit the kind of players that we have at the moment um is he, still to to like a, is he still trying to play like possession, Johan yeah. with total football? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and he's not doing it with players that know how to play the system, really. Um, we love Dave Edwards from Wolves. Um, great character. Uh, certainly he's got his qualities, but he's not the kind of player you want for a, a possession style of football. No, he's definitely um, uh, Other players, um, John Daddy Bodvarsson as well, coming in from Wolves. He was our our big striker signing in the summer. I think he only scored, was it three goals for you last season? Yeah. Something like that. And we really needed to go out and properly bring in players who are specialists for this kind of system. Um, players that can pass and move in the midfield and players that give a proper threat in the final third. And we just haven't done that. And Stam has rigidly stuck to this um, possession style of football and it just isn't fitting and he really needs to 
freshen it up, maybe go full ball to a bit more direct sometimes, but he's not the kind of person who does that. He is without doubt the most stubborn person I've ever seen at Reading, either on the pitch or in the dugout. Um, I've got confidence enough that we will get the odd win here and there to see us over the line because even though we've been on a pretty awful run, we're not a million miles away from getting a win. Managed to get it at Burton a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I'm still keeping the faith, but it's going to need some fresh thinking. So hopefully this trip to Spain will manage to rejuvenate us. Yeah, and uh, moving on, obviously, to our game, Thomas, uh, Preston and Wolves play each other. It's going to be interesting, obviously, to get your opinions. The the only thing, really, obviously, you're running away with the league and many would expect you to win. Um, looking down your sort of away form recently, I was quite surprised that this calendar year, I think you've only won away from home once, and that was a 1-0 win at Ipswich. Um, has there been sort of, not necessarily because obviously you're so far clear at the top, sort of any troubles on the road? Is it just down to sort of you prefer to play at home or, or is there sort of an underlying problem when you go away from home that sort of would fill you with a bit of doubt going into the game against us? Um, no, not really. I mean, we haven't had that many away games, to be honest, since the day of the year. So one win isn't probably, percentage-wise, it's probably not till, till too bad a statistic. Uh, to be honest, I think we're better away from home than we are at home. Um, we're just we're just a great counter-attacking team. Um, I think people think that we dominate possession and we, you know, completely are swarming over everyone. That's not really how this team is set up. They are used, they are good in possession. They do circulate the ball well, but we're at our absolute best when we can sort of catch teams a bit cold and and we we don't make very many mistakes. And we just when we see a bit of space, we're just very good at exploiting it. Um, so I still think, I think if you look at the, we're top of the home and away tables, uh, but I think we're further ahead in the away table. So I don't think you should be looking for a dip in our away form as a, as probably cause for optimism. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's, that's me clutching at straws for probably, sort of some, is, yeah. <laughs> it probably is statistically. I mean, I do look at this as a, you know, I look at this as a difficult fixture. I will always look at Preston away as a tough game because I just you just know it. It's all, it's always going to be tough. Um, it's going to it'll be similar to how it was at, at Molyneux earlier in the season. I am glad that you haven't got Hugo because I thought he was very good in that game and he was yeah. the player who really dragged you back into it after it looked like you were completely capitulating at three nil and probably by the end you could have very easily had a point. So. You know, and, and we didn't play particularly well um, second half against QPR and they completely overwhelmed us and they could have easily taken a point themselves. So, you know, nothing nothing is done and dusted for Wolves as far as promotion is concerned. I know to outsiders, the table, um, there's there's still work to be done and, and every game is difficult. We haven't smashed every team we've played. Far from it. We've had a lot of narrow victories, um, but we're built on defensive solidity ourselves. We haven't conceded many goals. I think we've kept like 20-odd clean sheets. Um, so so really, that, that's been the strength for us rather than just sweeping teams away. So it, it will be a tough game. It'll be a tough game. I'm interested to know if you think this is a good time to be playing us or whether you think Preston are shaping up well now. They, I'm quite surprised you've managed to cling on to the top six, I must admit. Yeah, definitely. I think what's going to be sort of 
good sort of for you is our two best players are out suspended. So Greg Cunningham, our left back, uh, and Ben Pearson, who I've said sort of countless times on the podcast this season, when he's out of the side, um, you know, we it's really glaringly obvious that we miss him. And I was quite disappointed that we didn't bring anyone in sort of in that sort of mould to to fill in for him or play alongside him in, in the January transfer window. We were linked quite heavily with Ryan Ledson from Oxford, and I think he actually handed in a transfer request. But as is the way with us, you know, I, I don't think we've broke our transfer record for about 13 or 14 years, and that was for David Healy from uh, Man United, which was about 1.5 million, which, you know, in this day and age is sort of quite staggering, really. Um you know, I think that was around about the figure that Oxford wanted. And, you know, you think that we sell Jordan Hugill on deadline day for nine million. You know, the the money's there. Um, we're just sort of quite stubborn with it. So I think those two definitely are going to be a massive miss. Um, Cunningham, maybe not so much. Josh Earl came in at the start of the season when Cunningham was injured and, uh, you know, looked like he'd been playing senior football for years. Was probably our best player in sort of the first sort of three or four months of the season. So... Sort of in that aspect, I've sort of got more than enough faith in him to do a job. It's the the centre of the part, really. And, you know, the quality that you have in midfield, I think, is going to be sort of the real difference between sort of the two teams. Um, we're quite a difficult team to beat. We've lost, I think, the third fewest uh, games in the league all season. But then you look at our draws and we've drawn the most in the league, which is why we're sort of not quite good enough to sort of catch the likes of Villa, Derby, Cardiff. But, you know, we're hard to beat, which is why we're sort of clinging around to the playoffs. And, you know, if we can stay around there till sort of late March, April time, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how the season ends. But sort of going back to the Wolves game, I think sort of before it now, I'd be absolutely delighted with a point. Um, you know, I think most teams would play in Wolves in the league this season. You know, you've... You've only sort of lost four and drawn five and won 22. So, you know, it's testament to how dominant you've been this season, even if it is sort of by the odd goal here and there and, and that kind of thing. So I think to come away with a point, you know, I'd be absolutely delighted to keep the pressure on sort of the Bristols and Fulhams who were chasing in the playoffs. Um, but, you know, sort of with my sensible head on, I think you might just have a bit too much for us, especially with Ben Pearson missing in the, the middle of the park. And it's going to be up to sort of people like Alan Brown, uh, who's really stepped up over sort of the last few weeks and, you know, has probably been our player of sort of the year so far, sort of January, February. Um, but, you know, he can't do it by himself. So I think the rest of the midfield's really got to step up. And if we are going to get something out of the game, everyone's, you know, got to be sort of putting in like an eight or nine out of ten game um, to even get anywhere sort of near you. Um, but, you know, it's at home. We're, we're quite hard to beat at home. I think we've had one defeat in the last 15 at home. Um, so, you know, going to the game, sort of not expecting us to win, but not quietly confident of a draw either, to be honest. But, you know, I think there's there's enough there from us that we, we could sort of get a draw out of the game and, and carry on this run that we're on, sort of to chase the, uh, the chasing pack in the playoffs. Um if I was to sort of push you for a score prediction, Thomas, what would you go for? Oh, I don't know. Um, I suppose what I'm trying to do this season is think logically, because I think I'm still, I'm still naturally have that irrational fear that every fan has when things are going well, that the wheels are going to come off. Um, so I've, I'm trying to temper that with just cold, sterile logic. And logic dictates that we should win this game because we should win every game, really. I mean... 
if you look at the money Wolves are spending, it, it's just ridiculous. I mean, we bought Benny Kofobian in January. Don't really need him, but he's just there sitting on the bench, ready to come on if we, we're struggling in the game. So, you know, we've just money talks, doesn't it? And the resources Wolves have got have been stupid this season. And, you know, every, every gamble we've had on the sort of foreign players we've brought in seems to have paid off and we, we look strong. So, I mean, independently in the game, like I say, it's one I'm, I'm a bit more worried about, but I do think we should win it. So I will probably go for 2-1, maybe. 2-1 to Wolves, I'd probably say. Yeah, I think both of us will score. Um, sort of sensible add-on for me. I think you probably will just shade it, so 2-1 wouldn't be far off. But if I was to go sort of with my bias Preston head on, I think one all would probably be sort of what I'd go for. But I do think it'll be a tight game and, you know, it, it probably can go either way. I think if if Ben Pearson was playing, um, I'd be a lot more confident. But I think, you know, there's too much, I think, for you with your midfield that you're going to sort of control the game from early on and, you know, sort of get the goals that you need to to, to see you over the line and get the victory. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Cheers for joining me today, guys. If you two want to let everyone know where they can catch you and any project you're involved in, now would be a good time. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, as I say, I'm Thomas. I'm from uh, wolvesblog.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at wolvesblog and at facebook.com forward slash wolvesblog. And that's pretty much uh, everything I do. It's just everything Wolverhampton Wonders. I'm Simeon. I'm the editor of the Tara Stand. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, we've got a podcast that goes out every week as well, so give that a, give that a try. Yeah, and as I said at the start of the show, uh, you can find me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End and uh, quite a lot of Bundesliga as well. So if you're interested in any of those, definitely give me a follow. Um, and you can catch us on our Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod, where there's weekly polls. The link to the podcast gets tweeted out. So if you're interested in Championship football at all, which I'd imagine you are if you're listening, you know, definitely check out uh, our Twitter page. Um, but yeah, as I said, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, best of luck in your next games, even though I, I want Preston uh-huh. to win, Thomas. Uh, and cheers for joining me. We'll see you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.